0: Welcome to the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast. My name is Sarah Shackett. I'm a writer on the craft team over at IndieWire. And I have to tell you, today's show is everything. It's everything. Because we are going to talk about Barbie, which, apart from telling a story about the famous Mattel dolls, is a weird, wild, surprisingly personal film with a very specific Jacques Tati homage uh, that I appreciated very much. Uh, So it was amazing to get to talk about it with director Greta Gerwig and editor Nick Hui. The Barbie movie, to appropriate a saying, never stops, never stopping. So it was very cool to get to hear from Greta and Nick how they approached the challenges of a film that is packed with so many different phases and turns and reveals and the places that they. They were able to find the clarity they needed to settle the audience into the movie and keep us moving forward with the appropriate energy. It was so cool to hear Greta and Nick not just talk about their work on this film, but how it is part of their longtime collaboration across Barbie uh, and Little Women and Lady Bird, and how they think about the things that shape a film's tone, its rhythm, its music. The last thing I need to say before I just let y'all loose in Barbie-land is unfortunately a disclaimer about the audio. We had some power issues while recording this episode. so about the first five minutes or so are recorded from a backup track, and it sounds a little bit like a phone call. Uh, We did what we could to make that audio as legible as possible, and we get to better audio pretty quickly. But thank you in advance for bearing with us there. I promise this conversation is worth it. So please enjoy Greta Gerwig and Nick Huey on Barbie. Y'all, congratulations on this bonkers amazing film. And, and <laughs> thank you so much for talking to me on what feels like Movie D Day.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, it is. It's the day. I, I love that you said bonkers. Somebody else was like, yesterday, was like, this is such a weird movie. And I was
0: like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So I would love to to start because, you know, this is y'all's third collaboration. Sort of, how do y'all go about that? How do you sort of get on like the the same shared vision for something like this?
2: I mean, obviously, since we've worked together twice before, there's, we have a certain amount of
0: shorthand.
2: almost like a, uh, yeah, and a shorthand and like a language that we understand, you know, once Noah and I had written the script. There are things that are different um, from the final product to the first script inevitably but the tone and the kind of gleeful anarchic whirligig gig of it was always there I mean I, to talk about Nick as if he wasn't here I think the, one of the things that I knew he was the right person that that could kind of hear the song as it were but the first time he read Lady Bird um and we we talked about it and I remember I asked him about um Potentially, you know, because as you go into production, you're always looking for cuts. And I remember asking him, do you think I should cut this scene or cut this thing? And, and he he wrote it back to this incredibly detailed response. And he was like, no. It was almost like he had the reason that I had unconsciously had. He was mm-hmm. able to articulate why it shouldn't be cut. And I think that that's, it, it, you know, that's what you're always looking for, for me anyway, and collaborators is somebody who... You know, when you inevitably sometimes in in an effort to practically execute something, lose the song in your head, they say, no, no, it goes like this. And then you hear it again and you're like, right, right, right. That's the song. You're right. I don't know if
0: that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense. And I'm kind of curious, or it, it's sort of like finding the song together, like having a shared language. Nick, does that come from, you know, a shared a library of movie references are you guys constantly being like optometrists and going better like this better like this i'm I'm, yeah just kind of curious how you kind of hone in on on what that song is
3: yeah i think it's it's a lot of things i think it's like everything in life kind of like i feel like we very often have a lot of similar things that we grew up with with sort of midwestern parents and that kind of thing but it's and also like grew up at the same time so we have like a cultural shorthand in that way, as far as like just taste and things. I think that's just unique. Like we just both have similar understanding and interest and taste, I think. But, you know, different enough that that's useful also where we can actually like, you know, have difference of opinion and and work through that too, which is great.
2: Yeah, no, I think, (laughs) I think that sort of, I think a lot of what we end up doing together does end up being extremely incremental. um, Yeah. Yeah. Because, it, you know, movies are strange and delicate and I think once we get something that feels like in the editing process, once we got something that I mean, I, I this is how this sounds like paint praise, but like once you get to a point where you don't like actively hate anything, um, <laughs> then we start sort of really being delicate with how we go to about it.
0: Yeah, so this is the all's third movie together and I'm struck by how Lady Bird, Little Women, and Barbie all look very different, but I'm curious if there was a consistent editing challenge you had across all three of them or sort of something that you all... Yeah, sort of what were you expecting and kind of what did you find in the edit?
1: I had started answering this before when I said, I think, I mean, I don't know if you agree, I think each of the movies had its... Each movie that we've worked on has had its own particular set of problems yeah. <laughs> that needed to be worked out. And I think you know, since we'd last made Little Women, because we were working with two different timelines, so much of what we were working with was sort of uh, clarity. And my experience with this one is even though it was totally uh, bananagrams, actually people seemed to follow just fine what the bananagrams were. <laughs> um, right. We were saying, oh, well, that's good.
3: Exactly, yeah. I, that, that wasn't the challenge with this one, was clarity. Whereas with Little Women, with the time shifts, we really were just trying to figure out how to make it um, the least jarring for people and the most pleasurable and just continuing to work on that. Yeah, uh, really, really grinding it down. And then on L- Ladybird it was just getting this, you know, diamond as shiny as it could be. Yes. But this one, it was much more sprawling. And I, don't, I mean, when I first read the script, I and I still am, to this day, I don't, I think you probably agree, Was a, I was like, they're never going to let you do this movie. <laughs> Like, I just had no faith that it was going to actually get made because the script was so amazingly bonkers, yeah. Um, Which, and it was amazing to their credit, they let it happen, and I think it's paying off beautifully, it's wonderful.
1: Yeah. No, I think the first text you sent to me after you read it is, are they going to let you do it? Or I I think you were just (laughs) even like, I don't under, is this real? They're not going to let you do this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think in a way for me, and Nick maybe, you know, there were so many different things that had to be worked out in the edit, but I think so much of it was like when you're doing something so anarchic and so wild, it actually takes just so much control. Um, and because it can't, like, it it, it has to feel like even though we're on Mr. Toad's wild ride that you're not going to fly out of the, the car. And um, exactly. I think that was a lot of it was sort of... Um, Nick and I both read. <laughs> um, this, is, this is nobody would ever think of this, but we're both big George Saunders fans. Oh, um, amazing! And he, yeah, of course. And then Nick got me um, his new book of uh, short stories for my birthday. And then we talked a lot about it. he had that he had that book about Russian sh- uh, short fiction, and um, I read it and he read it and we talked about it a lot because to me it was like one of the best movie. It was one of the best books about filmmaking without being a book about filmmaking. Hmm. And we talked a lot about him. He says, you, you know, you have to keep your reader in the sidecar with you. And, you know, as you're writing and editing, you keep checking on them. Like, is the reader still in the sidecar or did I lose a reader on a turn? I think we referenced
0: that a lot while we were yeah.
3: Like no matter how crazy the ride is, as long as that you keep them in your sidecar, they're along for it. Yeah, exactly
0: absolutely because it starts at such a, a heightened space so like the transitions into even more or even our different kinds of heightened reality i imagine must be like super tricky and just take a lot of iterating to get right they did <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes yes
1: yeah i mean the way i i feel like we um I mean, I guess maybe one way in which it's similar is, you know, with Lady Bird and with Little Women, I mean, they had different issues, but um, particularly with Lady Bird, I remember one thing about it that was tricky, was almost like, particularly with like the love story in the first half, that we had to set it up and then move through it, and that in a different movie might be the whole movie. So it was right. going to have to move at a pace that was different than you're used to seeing. And I think similarly with this one, we we almost had to, like, move through things because we're going to get to the point that maybe, you know, in a version of this movie you might think we'd get to, and then we're going to go beyond it and then beyond it again and then beyond it again. So it's almost like settling into, like a breakneck speed because you realize that the destination you thought you were getting to is actually just the midpoint. Does that feel right to you, Nick?
3: Yeah, it's always a very unique structure on all of these. That's true. And it does throw people off sometimes and we correct for it as much as we can, you know, and usually that note just starts to go away. It never goes away completely. There's always some person that has an issue with these structures, all of them, but getting it down to that one person instead of half the audience was a big challenge for sure.
1: Nick is like my better angel in terms of like, because it's, you know, painful to get feedback always, in especially when something's new and being worked on. But he's so good at talking, you know, talking to people, listening to what they're saying. Um, and really, I feel like I've learned so much by just being with him in the room while he like digs down on what's working and what's not working. And one of the thing questions, Nick, I think you ask, which is always useful, you, you ask it, Basically, like, when did you feel yourself settled into the movie? And I think because they have such strange structures in a way, all of them, I think, you know, there always is going to be a little bit of a, wait a minute, where am I? You know, we get very used to. <laughs> and then suddenly we realize, like, oh, nobody nobody knows what we're doing.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, and we get excited by that. We're always talking about just like Charlie Kaufman movies and things and trying to do that in a way um, that feels like
0: our own voice, you know. And like sort of where the rhythm of it and sort of the momentum of it is is part of the pleasure and, and, and where the comedy comes from, but also you can't lose people. You have to keep them in the sidecar. I'm curious if there were kind of places in this movie where you felt like – it was important or that you had room to breathe and slow down because that all, like where this movie chooses to pause feels very deliberate into what the story actually ends up being. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: In all three of them, it was the same thing where, yeah, you, you know where to really keep it as tight as possible and then where to let it breathe. I think it's so important. It's everything. We've definitely done versions of all of them where we're like, that was too fast throughout <laughs> way too
1: fast. Throughout. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, no, I feel like we, we, I mean, I, th- I guess I keep going back to music because I think we both have a sense of the, there's um, musicality underneath it where it, it wants to sound away. I mean, when I think of the, like, as we kind of tightened it and sharpened it and sharpened it, it's like we realized um, the first place, I think, that there's like a pause and a silence that was really landing was um, when, you know, she says, do you guys ever think about dying? And then we always talked about it like as if it broke the movie, as if the movie was clicking along and this and that and blah, 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 and then she broke it. And then after she broke it, it can't quite be put together again the same way. And that, that was sort of the first interruption of the machine that is a movie. But, I mean, those things are actually... It, I mean, I guess a similar similarity. It's, it's kind of hard to achieve those feelings of, like, a movie got broken because movies are obviously pre... You know, in theater, you can kind of create the illusion of a mistake more easily because it's possible, because it's live. But um, I think that would be the first one. And then we also definitely, when she's sitting on the bench and then looks around and looks at... Um, the woman, that was the next moment of like real space that I think we, we identified, but it was also like about how to kind of rhythmically build to those things. But Nick, I remember a version of after, do you think, do you guys ever think about dying? We tried that moment so many different ways.
3: hmm yeah. I mean, we tried everything so many different ways yeah yeah,
1: yeah no we tried we treat everything every different way but that moment, it seems so inevitable now but that moment we also tried one where the music just kept playing but lower and it was all like how are we going to heighten this in the best way and it was like and we tried different takes of it we tried different sort of ways of getting into it like there was just so many when I think about that moment now, it just is clearly what it should be, but um, it's only because Nick tried about every permutation known to man.
0: <laughs> amazing.
3: And Margot was so amazing at every take. It was it was hard to choose, because they were all different, but all great. You know, like in everything that she does, but especially in that area, it was really hard to choose. Um, the better of all the greats, you know, that was tough.
1: Yes. Yeah, also it was hard because It was was also, she's so good at giving even just extremely slight variations in her performance, which allow you to construct the story slightly differently. So there were versions where she said, do you guys ever think about dying? Which was the one I liked best on the day, actually. She said it with real fear in her voice. Do you remember that, Nick? Yeah, it was
3: amazing. It was like really shocking. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was really shocking and really strange, but it then, and I think we, like, did that one for a long time because that was the one that I, you know, really had this connection to, but then it ended up seeing, like, Barbie knew too much too fast. In that way, that's why she's such a good collaborator as, a, as, a, as an actor because she gives you, she almost is able to act with an eye to editorial.
3: Oh, absolutely. She's always thinking about that. It's really impressive. And that's all you can hope for. The best, the very best actors I've ever worked with are thinking about that because they know.
0: In terms of like giving you all of the options to shape the tone correctly?
3: Yeah. I always say it was Meryl Streep and John Turturro and Margot Robbie are like, they just are unbelievably good at giving you variations that could all work and just allowing you to then shape their character in any way that is suitable to the movie. And they're always good. They're always great. It's really impressive. It's a very rare thing.
1: Yeah. And, and I think it's also like, you know, they can find the truth of the moment, but they have enough control over the, they're able to be in it and out of it at the same time. I think that's yes. so amazing to me. And, yes. and, and I think not every actor has to be that way. There's lots of ways to do some, something sort of, you know, sort of giving so many options and so many variations, but the kind of awareness of Specifically with a, a tune to editorial is just so interesting, and and she would even do it when I wouldn't think of it, it or if I didn't think of a, a variation, she would sometimes go up to me and say, "I'm going to do it just in case you want it this way. I'll do that." You know, she would have, she she would be thinking about it. Just to, I mean, I don't even know how she really keeps track of all of it in her own head. Like it's it's pretty extraordinary.
0: Do you guys uh, try and keep track of like tone in, in in terms of taking notes on the script or do you uh, just try and sort of assemble a scene, try it a bunch of different ways and then whatever is strongest and resonates the most with you wins out?
3: Yeah, I think that's a good way of sort of summarizing it. But of course, it's so it depends on what came before and what came after. And so I always say as you're working through a movie, it's like... Um, What's that game, Greta, that we always talk about? The When the gophers oh, pop sure. up and you, you knock down the gophers. Oh, whack-a-mole. Like the whack-a-mole. The
1: whack-a-mole. <laughs> yeah.
3: So even if you get a scene perfect, <laughs> then if you've cut out all these other scenes or you've changed order or you've done all these work to these other scenes, now the scene that originally was great, now you have to rework. and You're constantly playing whack-a-mole. Totally. That's, yeah.
1: Also, I think that's why we try to work as much as we can incrementally is because... Um, you just get to a point where little changes have big ripple effects. And that's what's so peculiar about movies. Um, I mean, Nick has worked in different forms, longer forms, you know, which have their own rules and, and also movies and also documentaries. Like, um, But it, movies have this, you know, they exist in durationally, like over the course of, you know, I guess 90 minutes, to, you know, give or take three hours. But... They also exist almost like objects, like paintings or something, where something can really change the balance of how you're looking at it. You know, the, I think the, most, the hardest point was when, it, for whatever reason, like, it felt like we had to make... You can, as much as you want to vet every decision fully, like, you do kind of have to just be like, okay, we're just going to try this. You know, obviously we have decisions about the script ahead of time, you know, he's watching everything while I'm shooting and we're talking all the time and talking about what we need or don't need. And then he starts doing just like assemblies of scenes that I'm concerned about, that I look at, but also sometimes he'll just cut something that'll... I mean, in in this one, there's like that fake advertisement. Nick, you cut that while I was shooting and I saw you sent it to me and I just thought, that's exactly right. I don't even think we touched that really. I mean, we shortened it a little bit, but that was essentially what it was. And it's like this kind of—it's like you don't need to see the whole thing put together to know. Like they—they they know. Like Nick knows what it is.
3: Right. And a big shout out to—I I love being able to tell say people's names, but Laura, our, our one of our London assistant editors, helped out with that, and she did an amazing job. She deserves huge props for that. We had. most amazing team and nick ramirez of course who i always work with killed it on this and gave his let his blood out um, daily for 14 months or so and and just killed it on this and our whole team gloria and maya
1: nick ramirez also worked with us on um lady bird and little women so he's been part of this team the whole time so he's also a big part of my post, absolutely. My post family. It's Gre- Greta and the <laughs> Knicks. Yeah. Yes, it's like my, it's like
0: my my string <laughs> band. That's coming for all millennials everywhere with that commercial. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of 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 bands and and sort of the musicality of editing, I'm curious how having bespoke. Songs and numbers for this movie um, affected or, or changed uh, your process of putting those sequences together.
3: Yeah, let's talk about Mark Ronson and 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 everyone involved in in the choreography, and it was amazing.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I mean, i I think you know, I sort of always imagined this to be a sort of you know rock. Concert, pop, fantasy, musical, in a certain way, and I think um, really early from writing, right after you know, writing the script and starting to imagine the world, I had a really specific playlist going of of, of, of score I was interested in, of, um, of pop music I was interested in, things that's all connected to me to the world, and. Uh, like a, a sound. And I think um, once, I mean, Nick is, we, we work with a really great um, uh, music yeah. editor who I've also worked with since the uh, lady Bird, Susanna Parrick, who's um, just the most wonderful person and is uh, both, uh, you know, understands what you're saying, but also tries to. You, brings you into another way of hearing it, which you might not have necessarily had, which is often better than what you had. And um, she, she's also just incredibly helpful for like, just, she's a great watch, and she's great with notes, and she's great with seeing things that, you know, weren't necessarily obvious to you. Um, I, I love her as a collaborator deeply, and I, I feel very lucky that I've gotten to work with her three times. And, but it was kind of—we always Nick is very good with music and um, and picking things and uh, you know working with them and in terms of like when you're just working with temp to already kind of set the mood. And I think one thing because we had so many different amazing artists that that it was like bridging this gap between what was pop and what was score and figuring that out. I mean, that was not. That was not an obvious task. <laughs> yeah.
3: That was probably that the was most like, challenging thing, actually. Yeah. Number one.
1: Yeah. That took a lot of time and a lot of um, sort of trying to think about how to do it. Um, I would say, well, I mean, what was amazing about where we kind of ended up with it and Mark and Andrew writing the score was that um, they, you know, they had a great love for all, all of the, the scores that I was talking about, like that kind of like um, groovy day gruesome (laughs) scores of the 80s. Um, I was really into, I was like, these scores are just like, no one would make this kind of movie score today, but they're so great. You know, um, they just make me extremely happy. So we were, and then, you know, going back and forth about that, like Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical, Starlight Express was another touch point. I mean, there were tons of touch points. And what they ended up being able to do was, Mark was producing the soundtrack. They were they had already written songs for the movie that were pop songs. And then what they were able to do was basically weave melodies and undercurrents from the pop songs into score so that you never felt like there was score over here and songs over there. And one of the things, I mean, it the, the was... And this all felt like late-breaking evolutions, but like um, that gorgeous song that... Billie Eilish and Phineas wrote and that she performed they they allowed that song to be used as sort of like a template for all these different moments of score that they and then Andrew and Mark teased out other things so you hear that piece basically it's woven throughout the movie at several different points in different ways with different instrumentation and a different emphasis, sometimes a different time signature. So that by the time you get to it at the end, you've actually been hearing it the whole movie. But that was the kind of magic of having Mark and Andrew on both sides. Right, they
3: reverse engineered the pop song into the score. And so when you get to it, it feels totally natural and uh, emotional, hopefully, you know?
0: Yeah. And part of, the character's realization because we've been living with it for the entire film. That's really cool.
3: Yeah. And I cannot believe when Billy sent that song, we all just were like crying. It was so intense. It was so good. Oh,
1: <laughs> I think because because we were editing in, um, we were editing to in, um, in, in Chelsea and I was coming from downtown and Nick was coming from Jersey. And I think I sent it to you, after she sent it to me on the <laughs> yeah. bus, and I was already crying Cause, because because you know we'd shown you know, Nick, Nick and I put together like, I don't know, like thirty minutes of footage uh, to show Billy and Phineas, and I showed it to them, and we talked about it, and they they were so lovely and wonderful. And then they said, well, what are you what is the kind of song you're interested in?" And I was like, well, really, you can write whatever you want. I mean, I just think you guys are incredible. But, you know, if I could, if I had a wish list, it would be, I guess I I want Barbie's heart song. If you could could just write me that. And they said, oh, okay. And, you know, they're under no obligation to make anything for me. I I thought, well, maybe I, you know, that was just nice that I got to meet them. (laughs) it, It wasn't even a week, a week later, I got a voice note. It was like a voice note. And it was Billy sitting at the piano, playing and singing this song, completely raw. And it was, I mean, it's perfect. It was perfect. Perfect, yeah. It was, and it was, and the lyrics were, I mean, I couldn't believe that she wrote these lyrics after seeing, you know, even like mirroring what's on screen, but also deepening it. And it's a song that is the story of Barbie, but it's also the story of all of us. Like, I used to float. Now I just fall down. I used to know, but I'm not sure now what I was made for. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, like, it was was just like, I was sitting there. And and Nick and I were like, it was like, I think, editorially, we were like, where do we put, can we put this song everywhere? (laughs) You know?
3: (laughs) she knocked it out of the park
1: it was and and honestly the same thing happened i mean to the music um you know we had naked cut together you know we had this like opening sequence which actually did take us a while to kind of like land on exactly what in the in the credits actually what 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 it all was but um you know we had it and it was you know it was good and and lovely and um actually mark and um Andrew had had written this really fun piece for it, and then when Lizzo came on, and then she basically wrote and riffed on top of what they had written as a base, and and it totally it was exact. It was like it was again. It was like that. Like she is a collaborator. Like. Knew exactly what was funny about it, and in what she was doing with her lyrics was the same kind of humor that we were doing when she was literally saying, singing what you're seeing on screen. It was so deeply funny, and it, it all of a sudden, like everything about it it, it, it as a result, it felt like it all went together <laughs> like that it was all shot for the song,
3: yes. And suddenly it completely changed the way people saw the beginning, too. It it solved all of our problems we were having, which weren't crazy. But I remember everyone suddenly got the tone of the movie immediately in a way they hadn't before. Yeah, it was so useful.
1: Yes, it was. um, Yeah, because it was before, I think it was just a little bit more obscure to people. And then um, then something about her song uh, allowed people to, to have a relationship with what they were looking at. I mean, I just, it, 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 and, and then, you know, I mean, this is just, and now we're just talking about music, but it's it was such a big part of it and such a big part of, like, figuring it all out, but also the the great Dua Lipa disco tragedy, which is Dance the Night, which is such a, I mean, we had that song from the beginning written by Mark and Andrew, but with no song in the song. It was, you know, so we could choreograph to it and have have a bass, but we didn't know what the song would be. And then she wrote specific lyrics to picture um, as like similarly to Lizzo, which was extraordinary. I mean, she's just standing in a studio making up lyrics to Margot. You know, she says, come along for the ride while Margot, you know, looks at camera and, and gestures at the camera. I mean, it's just things like that, which were so extraordinary. And then the kind of the bass, the strings in it that go the dun 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 anyway then that became the marching band fanfare that was used in mattel um which so those songs were connected and those like finding those things all over it's like she gave it as she gave us this sparkling diamond of a disco song and then also allowed it to be interpreted in all these different ways. And also, I would say another big moment was um, when Mark and Andrew came up with the, um, that uh, that disco, uh, that, that marching band doing the disco song, that was big for um, even explaining the Mattel character to oh, an yeah, audience. It, it helped so much, yeah.
3: It was sort of like a musical in that way. Like, we really did it differently than... On any movie I've worked on, where we sort of reverse engineered the score from the songs, which was cool and very useful. That's
1: amazing, totally. Yeah, and also, I think yeah. With, I mean, we were we were temping with, gosh, we were temping. I think with Mattel, we kept we were temping with like Wang Chung. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, to live it to live in like to live and die in L.A. You know, but it, it, there was this thing of like how do we make it, um, we just wanted everything to be, you know, to be funny, but never move into something that felt like pastiche or like that we're not taking it seriously. It wanted to be taken seriously, but also
0: um, heightened. Yeah, that's a musical. That's, that's, wow. (laughs) That's a musical. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I would love to, to ask you Um, about some of, I feel like in addition to managing all of this heightened space and different worlds, there are some great jokes that come through the edit in terms of how, how y'all construct a scene and what you show the viewer and when. And so I'd, I'd love to sort of ask you about how you think about comedy and the edit and specifically like concealing and then revealing things to us.
1: yeah comedy and the edit it's hard because we get to we definitely got to a place where we were I think the first time we actually showed the movie we'd forgotten that things were funny that are funny
3: (laughs) yeah yeah it's like you have to give it a chance yeah yeah you have to put it in front of people that's the thing about comedy and this was so much more a, a comedy than um at least anything I had worked on and I think definitely more than Lady Bird and Little Women. So we were just like, let's put it in front of people and see how they react. And it, everyone's different and every screening's different. And we've definitely learned that over the years. So you really have to let things have their fair chance, you know. Um, and then act act accordingly once you know it's dead. You got to get it out of there.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think, too, like, yeah, the giving it a chance. I mean, I would say that Lady Bird and Little Women are essentially... Movies in which you, you there i think there's unexpected humor in it um where you kind of are caught off guard by the humor, and in this one, I think there's unexpected emotion <laughs> um but because of that there's there's just there's like you know as they say hard jokes there's jokes that are constructed jokes that are big swings, and they really have to work you know um Cause and if they do and we were pretty brutal with them in terms of like if they didn't work, they 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 got left. Um, but then there were things that like never made us laugh that made audiences laugh because we just were so, you know, we had no more feelings left. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, right. <laughs> um, and then and then you know, uh, you know, and and we we were so beyond and. <laughs> normal normal brains that the only thing that made us laugh anymore were just the most strange things. <laughs> that no one else liked. Yeah. Um, we've also tried an unsuc- and never we have not yet in every movie we've made together we've always tried to get in like a proper fart joke and we've never yeah it's
3: always, it always you know dies like two-thirds of the way through editorial unfortunately but we we had a lot of fart jokes in this one, and so I thought there was a chance we would get one in. Uh, much higher chance of it being in a Barbie movie than a Little Women, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> the fart, the fart, the fart far joke that never made it into
3: Little Women. <laughs> um, I'm amazed. Yeah, it's too bad we had a whole fart scene kind of in this one, and too bad it, it didn't make it.
1: Yeah, we had like a we had like a like a fart opera in the middle, <laughs> and. and, and and then no one ever when we like really put together (laughs) just this giant fart opera and everyone was like and I think I mean I thought it was really funny and um that was not the consensus
3: (laughs) it was in the wrong place too we need we need to work it into a more significant narrative moment next time that's that's my plan
1: I know. I think if we just keep <laughs> trying and failing to get fart jokes into things, like maybe I don't
0: know, maybe we'll it. It is yes. incrementally you'll get there. Yeah, yeah. I mean the I, I mean I, the dog pooping yeah. joke is pretty close. Yeah, you do have that. That's yeah, pretty we close. We should give ourselves a pat yeah. on the back but for that. That's know.
1: true. <laughs> yeah. At least we got the at <laughs> least we got the dog pooping. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, to absolutely uh, do a little bit of tonal whiplash. it it feels like there are a lot of moments in in all three of y'all's collaborations where the movie becomes the cutting and the transitions become very, um emotional and and sort of give us insight into um, our protagonist's state of mind, but like the end montage of memories, uh, in in sort of that uh, space between feels like a whole other level so I have to ask you guys about about that hmm.
1: yeah that was um Nick uh, yeah you want to that was a long process to get to that but it's the those those movies and Nick, Nick can speak to it also more specifically because with those some um, little moments of life are from everyone who made the movie from people who actually made the movie from their 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 families from or friends their their mothers or their sisters or their daughters and they contributed them incredibly generously. Yeah. That, that was, uh, but it was, it was something that was, um, Nick did that about, um, 1000 times. Yeah. And we had so (laughs) many different
3: ideas for it, you know, and we originally were, were shooting things for it. That was the original plan. And, and then we tried, you know, stock footage and tried other things, but, and we even tried personal films that in, Involved kind of everything, and then once we really decided that it should really be about women, um, that clicked it in.
1: We had one. We had w- one version of like just like, Ru- real Ruth Handler. Yeah, I mean, we had Ruth we Handler. Were, it. it right we now. tried so many.
3: Now people like Rose like Rosemary's, one of Rosemary's teachers just emailed me saying I saw Rosemary in the movie. Like stuff like that is so sweet. Like my daughter is in it, you know, and like people from yeah. our whole crew, their family is, is in it. And it's just, it was also just a really beautiful way of being like, look, if she's becoming human, then this is what it means to all of us, you know? I think that's w- what it's all about. Like making a personal film, even on this kind of huge of a scale, it really is a personal film and, and people can, can read it that way. If they want to, which is beautiful, I think.
1: Yeah, and also that it was like, you know, that I, I think it's also, you know, even though we don't have a sign up, this is, you know, this is this is footage, um, you know, this is the people who made the film. This is the, you know, their their the the fabric of their lives. You don't technically know that, but I think in some unconscious way, it's a a reminder that films are only ever made by people. And these were the, the people that made this one. They're just a specific group of people. And I actually had, I didn't tell you this, Nick, because this was after we'd like, you know, come to the end <laughs> of, our, of our, of our, of our strange, strange, our strange, strange time ride. where I never saw any, anyone but you. It's really um.
3: intense. And then we just walk away, throw our cigarettes into the wind.
1: <laughs> no, well, it's almost, almost, almost. There's no way to say goodbye or like <laughs> sum it up or anything because, like, I don't. It's so. It's such an odd, like, I mean, more than any other relationship, like between like an editor and a director. It's like it's really you guys are really in it, you know, in a, in such an intense way. I mean, and it's just, it's, it's really, it's a, it's, it's odd. I almost feel like it's, it's a hard to explain to people because I'm like Nick is a person I see every single day every two to three years.
3: Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Super intensely. But it's so intense, but um uh but I was when I did the press junket in LA which are, you know, you sit in a room and many uh, it, Reporters come and talk to you. One of the reporters came in, and he was all decked out in his Barbie outfit, which was so sweet. Um, and then, um, sort of halfway through, he said, "I wanted to ask you about the montage at the end." And I said, "Oh, yes." And I said, he, "I was like, what about it?" He said, "Are those? Those are real people." And I said, "Yes, I know." <laughs> and then he said to me, "I know one of the people in that montage," and and that. No, no, and then he started crying, and he said, she's not here anymore, and she would have loved it. I know. And he happened to know someone who had submitted a video. You know, like, it was just one of those things, and then I'm, like, all of a sudden crying, you know, with someone at a press chunk, which has never happened to me. (laughs) Um, And that was just – it was this moment where I was like, right, there – it's." I mean if if the point is connection then that then then that was it but it was a total it was the most moving it was the most moving thing
3: I mean that's what we do it for and there's so many people I don't know you just sort of get lost in the noise of like this huge you know it's literally a barbie movie like it can't get any more commercial than that and but that's not what at all at least what I'm in it for what anyone working on it was for it was about making something that we felt strongly about and felt you know, we just tried to make it as emotional and fun as we could, you know, and it's right there, you know, that's, it's totally embedded in it. And we just did our best. (laughs) That's all you can do, you know?
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's all you (laughs) can do. That's absolutely all you can do um, is, is make things that make people feel, which this movie absolutely does. Um, So thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. That one's fun.
1: Now I will continue to not talk to Nick for another two years. (laughs)